0: Listening to the Cooler Ring, a podcast made for manufacturing marketers. Here are Carmen Perry and Jeff White. Welcome to the Cooler Ring, a podcast for manufacturing marketers, brought to you by Cooler Partners. My name is Jeff White, and joining me today is Carmen Perry. Carmen, how are you doing, sir? I am doing well, and and uh, you know, always excited to have a return guest on the Cooler Ring
1: podcast.
0: I know it's only happened a few times, but, uh, you know, it's really interesting to see how things evolve and, uh, how people's thinking may have, uh, changed or <laughs> who knows what's going on. I, I think we all know what's going on right now.
1: <laughs> it's like that now you're going to put it like. Like, it, really on the spot because if, uh, you know, it's like we can, we're going to play back what Steven said last year or something. And if he contradicts himself at all, it's like full oh, gotcha to journalism here.
0: <laughs> this podcast is known for one thing it's got gotcha journalism. Yes, indeed. Indeed. Yeah. We should get a little edgier. Maybe Hunter S. Thompson <laughs> this up a bit more. <laughs> I don't think we have the budget,
1: <laughs> <laughs> among other things.
0: Yeah. Uh, so joining us today is uh, Stephen Gold. Stephen is the president and CEO of Maypie. And uh, Maypie, of course, is the organization behind the Manufacture Ed Summit, which is moving online this year. Um, we were a sponsor and a media partner last year and happy to be doing so again and uh, really pleased to welcome you back to The Cooler Ring, Stephen.
2: Thank you very much. Uh, and just as, um, for edification of all listeners, uh, the full name is Manufacturers Alliance for Productivity and Innovation, but in 2021 we will be shortening that just to Manufacturers Alliance. Uh, and the last time I was with you, gentlemen, we were eating deep dish pizza, Chicago pizza, and I would like to know what's changed in the last year. Do you still prefer? We had we said we preferred deep dish Chicago pizza a year ago. Yeah, is it? Do you like Connecticut style, New York style? Canadian style, you know, what's,
1: what changed? You know, there hasn't been enough travel permitted now in the year of COVID uh, to really get to experience many other pizzas, I guess. Um,
0: Well, I I would say that that, true because i've certainly made a lot of pizzas <laughs> yeah, but your, your own can't count in this comparo but oh sure but you can make them in a certain style and i have certainly uh, made lots of new york and chicago pizzas and i enjoyed them all
1: <laughs> steven i will say that uh if my memory serves we had that uh, deep dish pizza first thing in the morning so oh my god
2: it was eight o'clock in the morning there you go yeah yeah so
1: that was a that was a bit of a godsend knowing what i was likely up to the night before yeah, given yeah. my history in chicago
2: Brought back Um, to college days.
1: (laughs) Indeed, indeed. (laughs) Well, great to have you on the show. And I know that, um, you know, we're we're, we're looking to kind of just cover off, I think, a little bit of some of the emerging trends that you're seeing. And that's actually uh, kind of informing many of the, the themes of the upcoming conference. Um and it's uh, really excited to be chatting with you about this. Um, it's uh, one of those occasions, uh, I guess, when we have uh, folks like you on the show, and we can kind of step back from pure uh, marketing and uh, and tactical uh, discussions, if you will, and 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 get a little bit more uh, twenty five thousand feet. So thank you again for joining us. What? Uh so I, I think we're going to talk about a number of um, of, uh, of trends that, uh, that that you're seeing, but let's start with five G and um, what is shaping the discussion at the uh, at the conference, and um, what has your imagination at this point?
2: Sure, no, it's a fascinating topic. We, we're doing a study on five uh, uh, G, and specifically uh, the. Um, impact of 5g and manufacturing and as i think a lot of you listeners may know it's it's being talked about and it, it means something different to um uh to consumers than it does to manufacturers you know for consumers we're talking about just the speed of the downloads i want to watch my videos without a blip but for manufacturers it's, it's a much different story it's you know and, and i'm going to use some jargon here which i've learned recently because we are writing this study uh you know, you're talking about low latency, so it's it's really real-time delivery of information. You're talking about uh, connection density, which is, you know, how much can you deliver uh, in terms of information over a certain time, and then connectivity. It's uh, and more and more devices can be connected, and so that's if you think about how the manufacturing world is changing, the factory especially that that has a lot of implications, and if you as you guys are want to do, you're feel free to interrupt. But uh, you know, let me run through just a couple of the things that we're finding. Uh, first of all, needless to say, 5G is going to have an enormous. It's going to be a game changer for the industrial Internet of Things or, or Industry 4.0, whichever you prefer to call it. You know, it's just considering the sheer volume of data that's going to be able to be swapped and and streamed, uh, and you're going to, again, you're going to have that low latency, so you're going to have real-time delivery. Uh, you're also, that, that there's a kind of a corollary to that, and, and that's another se- se- uh, session we're going to be having, and that's on smart factories. So 5G will ensure you have private networks, uh, which is going to boost, really going to boost the uh, the implementation of smart factory development. You're going to have better connected systems streamlined automation that can predict problems as they're going on, you know, see, see problems in real time. Uh, and there are a couple of other really interesting potential. Now, all of this is potential, right? So, and you have a bunch of different companies working on 5G, manufacturing companies, and they're different stages. Uh, but one of the uh, most important aspects is going to be that factories historically have not used Wi-Fi, just not strong enough. Everything's been fixed cable. Fixed line. Uh, And this is going to eliminate the need for for fixed lines. You're going to have um, wireless routers um, uh, that are going to, you know, you're not going to have cables there anymore. And and you're going to see a lot more flexibility in the factories. Um, Production lines are going to be able to be moved and redesigned much more quickly. Um, Another thing that I think is fascinating is what you're going to see. And you've probably heard this coming up, but, you know, augmented reality headsets and glasses um this is go 5g is going to allow that to be um uh, much faster historically or up until this point most of these devices are connected and this is going to allow it to be just wire, wireless so or uh, so people are going to be allowed to employees are going to walk around the factory floor and they're going to be able to see things uh, that are flaws in design or problems troubleshoot uh the, the uh, in the process um in real time. And, and the final thing I wanna mention, there's a lot more, but I just wanna mention is, uh, is edge computing, which uh, again, just a new um, technology. Everybody knows what cloud computing is. Edge computing is what I call localized cloud computing. Basically, it's, it's you're collecting data and you're analyzing it, but it's much closer to the source. And what does that mean? It means better privacy. It means a better security. Uh, level, uh, because the wireless router it, everything that's going to be collected, edge computing is going to allow it to be collected uh, and and uh, analyzed you know at the factory level or at the uh, in, in that basically that area as so a lot less susceptible to um, security problems.
1: Man, like this is a, totally the area more in Jeff's purview than mine. I mean, I,
2: I feel like I'm way out
1: over my skis here. But I mean, even when we're talking about augmented reality and saying historically, <laughs> like, <laughs> well, that, that's the here's that's 2020 for you. I mean, things are moving um, faster than I think we uh, people give it credit for. Or something.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, and and by the way, yeah, I mean VR and, and AR have have actually been around for a while, but none of us have been able to really, you know, it's been it's used it's used for games for kids right now um, just imagine what it's going to be like used uh, in in healthcare and in, in the manufacturing world
0: well I remember uh, from the summit last year I believe it was Raj Bhattra, uh from Siemens was talking about the digital twinning of uh, you know the manufacturing good and its digital twin and kind of being able to test I could totally see how 5g would come into play there being able to stream high-definition models to Know some form of screen on the factory floors that can be compared against what's actually being produced. I mean, that's got to be a game changer.
2: Yeah, it will be. It's exciting, but it is uh, something that is compared to what you're seeing in automation and robotics. 5G is something that's coming down the line, but you're you know, in terms of the full implementation, we're probably we're we're a few years away from it. So.
0: I just hope the iPhone 13, you know, picks it up.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: the
1: one thing that we're not a few years away from, I don't think, is the next trend uh, that uh, that we're going to discuss. And this concept of the new workspace—I uh, uh, think that uh, that's a bit more sooner versus later. Um, but but, Stephen, talk to me about what you mean when you say the new workspace. I have a few ideas, but.
2: Yeah, it, well, it's going to mean a lot of things to a lot of people, right? So uh, I, I'm not sure if you saw the Cushman and Wakefield. That's that huge commercial real estate firm out of Chicago. Um, they had a survey. I think it was summertime, and they said three quarters of workers globally <laughs> believe that their employer should embrace flexible or remote working. So, so in so, so in some ways. And it's it's uh, like Siemens has already announced it. Google's already announced it. There, uh, m- many of their uh, workforce, corporate level, are going to be uh, working uh, remotely much of the time uh, in the future. It's just this is just, and it's true for companies as small as mine. It's true for manufacturing. You're going to see a lot more uh, of virtual or what it, you know what some people call remote or mobile work. Uh, in the future but but what we're talking about here spe- more specifically really is what's going on at the factory floor uh, and and uh, this is a case in which Raj at Siemens they've come up with a software and technology that will allow uh, companies to actually create a production line and plant design that is allows people to interact but it's much safer for them uh, workflows are are, are, are uh, more efficient and um, and, and again, you mentioned to digital twin. This is a, a digital twin comes in here as well because um, and Siemens is not the only one that's created this. Uh, not a number of our member companies are working with it as well. But, you know, a digital twin allows them to see exactly what where some of the flaws could be, uh, you know, they, so they, they're actually able to see We're we're creating a workspace, a factory for a shop floor that looks like this. Uh, And let's simulate what worker safety looks like. Let's simulate how we might optimize, you know, the workspace layouts. Uh, 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 Yeah, the layout. And and by doing that, you know, a company can actually – it's not just experimenting. It's actually going to be able to say this – and they're implementing it now. They can say this is going to be – from now on, we're going to see workflows like this. This is is the future, right? This isn't something which – It was a bad case of the flu and people had to stay home. This is really just altered the way the factories are going to operate uh, in the future in terms of safety for workers, which in turn will lead to greater efficiencies.
1: Are you really seeing a, um, I mean, as we think about this, and I don't want to jump too far ahead into our uh, U.S.-China discussion, but obviously one component of that is a shift in... In uh, supply chains and a shift in in, in manufacturing locations, etc. Um, it all seems to point in some way to a resurgence um, in investment in these new factories um, uh, here in North America. Uh, I mean, are, are you uh, you know are you fairly bullish on that? Is that what you're seeing uh, as you look ahead?
2: Mm-hmm. Well, our CEOs – so we did a, a survey of our CEOs and CFOs, and as a reminder, we – we um, our companies are generally global, uh, and uh, a lot of them do business in China and have production in China. And a, C, a survey we did uh, this summer uh, shows that um, they will – there is a decoupling, an economic decoupling from China, and part of it is – public policy driven, government driven, but part of it and yes, we will talk about this um, in a bit because it's a pretty heavy topic but uh, but part of it's just uh, because of what happened with the supply chains, the supply chains were proven to be far more fragile than uh, than we expected. Um, in fact, there are a couple of let me just mention. There are two glaring deficiencies in U.S. manufacturing. One was the fragility of the global value chain. It's not just U.S. manufacturing. This is manufacturers across the world, and and they're reevaluating their supply chains now. You're going to see a more localized supply chain, definitely in the U.S., but in other countries as well. Uh, By the way, as an aside, uh, we also saw, you know, obviously there's a deficiency of um, certain essential goods and materials. We knew about it already because China was kind of, have monopolized the rare earth minerals, and that was from a decade ago. That goes into technological um, products, but now pharmaceutical ingredients, and you're seeing a push to get those onshore again. Uh, so um, we are seeing, uh, a, 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 and we're, and in combination with that, related but not. Directly related, we're seeing a lot of companies saying they're going to increase their investment in smart manufacturing. Hmm. They're going to do a lot more. That you're going to see, and that is tied directly to uh, what we will call is, you know, the um, smart manufacturing ecosystem, where you have uh, not only the production is is tied together, is linked together, coordinated, but the, so is the, the supply chains linked to that, <laughs> distribution chain is linked to that. All of that has been accelerated because of what we've had, uh, has occurred over the last six months. It was going to, it could, may well have already um, been a trend, but it was so under the radar nobody saw it. This has just accelerated that.
0: Manufacturing is undergoing a rapid transformation, and Maypie's annual leadership summit Manufacture Ed Online will be exploring the many issues faced by the industrial sector. Join us on October 21st from 1 to 4 p.m. Eastern for this virtual summit. The Cooler Ring is proud to be a media partner again this year. Register now using the promo code ring 20 and save 20%. Just go to summit.com or follow the link on our podcast page. Hope to see you there. You know, it's,
1: uh, I've got to say, I think it's exciting um, uh, to see the opportunity sitting in the middle of all of this, you know. Uh, I think this conversation is help, helping to highlight it. But let's, look, let's just jump further into the China-U.S. discussion because I know that that is one of the themes um, uh, of the upcoming conference, and uh, um, and, and 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 it's uh, I guess the, the the impact that it will have on manufacturers. Talk to us.
2: So, um, of course, I can't. Uh, I have not seen, and I can't see. Uh, you know. Tell you what, our guest speaker Rob Atkinson, who's an expert in this area, is going to be talking about. Generally, I've read a number, a number of his pieces in the past year and in the past six months. Uh, but let's kind of give it a a baseline uh, for for listeners to understand. So right now, there's kind of three positions in how the U.S. should deal with China. Uh, the first position is the status quo. You know, it's what and, and it's a lot of that is coming out of the Treasury Department. You know, they want to keep a strong dollar. And so basically just it's OK. Yeah, the Chinese will cheat a little, but we can deal with this. We've dealt with this in the past. Uh, the second um, position is negotiate a more level playing field. Uh, let's come up with uh, with gr- an agreement agreement with China, which really kind of make sure that's stealing our IP. They're not requiring technology transfers. The third position. Uh, and it, it's based on the thought that the first two positions are just unrealistic and that it's called the uh, decoupling you know theory where where we're decoupling uh, you know you're seeing the administration trump administration is doing that and through sales you know preventing sales into this country preventing transfers of technology over there but we're talking about really more of a market-based decoupling strategy and this is what rob talks about uh he talks about you know let's come up with a a, a strategy where we uh, we can help nations like vietnam and like mexico Become alternative centers for foreign production. Uh, now that that you know, can we bring that stuff back into this country? We could, but realistically, because of labor costs, um, uh, it's probably they're probably not going to come back to this country. So uh, you know, and this is where the USMCA, by the way, is a good start, right? So we're now we're we're treating Mexico more as a partner. And he, Rob is also a big proponent of of cr- coming up with allies in Asia. And in the Pacific area, so he wants to to kind of bring Trans-Pacific Partnership uh, agreement, uh, which died a few years back, back into existence to create a base of um, of allies in the Pacific area that we can that we can deal with, that we can supply, we can sell to, and that we can um, and have us uh, supply us and such. Uh, one other thing, I think Rob, an idea that Rob has come up with which – with another economist, which I think is really a good one. He calls it DATO, the Democratic Allied uh, Trade Organization. As in like a NATO, but DATO? But this would be allied countries that come together, and when China threatens something – economic intimidation, and it does that a lot, you know, uh, then uh, they would band together to prevent that kind of aggression. I mean, you just saw recently uh, Europe wanted to – uh, go ahead and you know, look at at least take a closer look at um, uh, at what China doing with this corporate subsidies. And China threatened to bar Ericsson and Nokia sales into China. So the EU backed off, and we and and a, a, an organization like Dato uh, would basically the EU and the US and and uh, Canada and Australia and others would come together. Japan would come together and say, "Hey, if they do that." Why don't we get together and do the same thing to their company? So anyway, that's, that's kind of the, uh, the uh, core of the issue that we're facing. Um, I think um, most people in manufacturing, especially even if they do business in China, would say that we've got to do something about you know Chinese theft of IP and uh, this kind of forced transfer of technologies, which has really uh, hurt our own technological advantages
1: it's um it's really interesting to consider how manufacturers global manufacturers really have to be shifting from a posture of you know pure kind of global free market thinking to there's a much more um, a politically driven um, politically sensitive um, uh, issues at play. They're going to be expected I think to um, uh, to um, work more collaboratively with governments, Pro- and I know you mentioned the Trump administration and some of what, the, but at my my understanding of it is, um, I, I think it's the same on same uh, on both sides of the aisle that we're likely to see um, uh, this type of, uh, I guess. Uh, um, more uh, kind of national policy-driven kind of environment. it's a it's a, it's a very interesting time, and uh, and it's curious too to consider how it impacts. Uh, I mean, most of our listeners uh, work more in the marketing function, of course, but um, this changes how organizations will need to communicate, how uh, <laughs> how they need to manage their reputation, what that means, uh, government relations. To what extent does that become a, a more important part of their uh, communications apparatus? All of this needs to be considered.
2: Well, it's always But first of all, you know, government relations has always been important. But you're exactly right. I think what you've seen, and it's amazing how fast this can happen. But a a, a, pan, a global pandemic will do this. All of a sudden, a lot of countries are, um, and the U.S. and the EU included countries are looking to protect national champion industries. Right? They're saying, what what is it that's critical? And it's not just healthcare. And and that's of course the, what's on the on the news in this country in the U.S is is the fact that we had shortages of of certain pharmaceutical ingredients, we had shortages of PPE. Um, and uh, but it's it's important in from a manufacturing perspective, uh, you know, wh- what what do we need to make here that we shouldn't be should you know, it, it's pretty well known that the Chinese were have have been we outsourced certain components for defense purposes to the to Chinese companies. Uh, and, and now where the U.S. and the EU and other countries are taking a look at that and saying, look, there have got to be certain advanced technologies and national security industries that we just need to have um, closer hand hand on, closer monitoring on. And so you are seeing that. It's amazing how fast that's moving. We'll see what happens in this country, uh, but it's you're seeing it move pretty fast in the EU.
0: It's going to be interesting, too, I mean, just to see how that changes how uh, American and North American companies choose to export as well. Of course, China is a massive market and, you know, sorts of measures uh, certainly bring a, uh, you know, they're going to have the same issues bringing American products into China as uh, as we might bringing Chinese products into uh, or components into North America. So, you know, it's I wonder if these kind of things eventually level out and allow more direct trade between between these nations, or you know, but that, I think that's a long way in the future at this point, eh?
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. But but that is why I think uh, Rob Atkinson, again, one of the speakers at the conference, his concept of a dato is important because let's face it, China is a huge market. It's an enormous. In- if you if you're an auto company and you want to sell in China, I mean, if you want to sell somewhere, you know, let's face it, you got a billion and a half people. Uh, and it's, uh, so, um, uh, it's, it's something which we have to, I think have, uh, manufacturers are going to be more cautious about it, but I think they're going to follow the leads of their, of their government leaders.
1: And I know that, uh, Rob will be, uh, shining a lot of insight into this area, as you so rightly mentioned, he's an incredibly expert in the field and, uh, a real, I think, a um, a real success point of the mm-hmm. conference to have that kind of caliber of talent speaking at it, uh, So, um, I know that we kind of briefly touched on AI, but I did have that jotted down as something we may kind of dive into further. But uh, to be fair, I think we've bounced around a bit. So, I don't know if we've already covered that or not, Stephen.
2: (laughs) Well, look, let's face it. AI is a part of um, an incredibly important part of uh, uh, a a necessity for uh, conversion or transformation to Industry 4.0. Um, and uh, you're seeing it in all sorts of areas, right? You're, you're seeing it in, obviously, uh, the, the uh, machi- mach- uh, machine-to-machine communications and, and the development of, of, uh, of uh, more advanced robotics. You're seeing it in these hand-worn devices, these wearable technologies, uh, and which are going to be useful. Obviously, they're useful in the healthcare field already. But uh, they're going to be useful in factory floors because people with headsets, uh, uh, that have heads-up displays are going to actually be able to see. This is like Microsoft has the Halo Lens. If they're going to actually be able to see problems, it's going to be a, a mixed reality um, uh, glasses where they can see problems that aren't obviously uh, uh, accessible to the visible eye. Uh, but but you're going to see that also. This is going to – AI is going to actually allow um, a, uh, a transformation in – in the distribution of goods, which is what Amazon has done, we call it the Amazonization of manufacturing, where they're switching from the warehouse model to flexible distribution processes because AI uh, can actually help them detect where you can have, where they should have local production and local distribution. Uh, so there are a lot of different uh, areas in which uh, artificial intelligence, and it's like so many of the other technologies, uh, you know, we have, you have 3D printing. Uh, and you have artificial intelligence and you have, auto, you know, advanced automation, just lots and lots of different, um, uh, of new technologies that are going to ensure that, uh, that we have a much different looking manufacturing, uh, sector in the next 10 years.
1: It's an exciting time, Stephen. And I uh, thank you for joining us on the show today and just kind of, uh, I guess uh, uh, lifting the curtain a little bit on the uh, on the conference that's coming up, and uh, look, it's uh, uh, it's an exciting time to um, to be hosting a conference as well. I should note uh, first time going, I think, fully online uh, for your organization. Uh, um, uh, any uh, anything you might like to highlight for uh, for our listeners?
2: You mean for the conference itself? Yeah. Yeah, this is uh, it's going to be a kind of a typical for those who are familiar with with my organization. We we like to bring kind of hands on uh, practical solutions. Uh, so this is why we have like Siemens talking uh, there, and, and Microsoft is going to be talking there about uh, you know things like wearable uh, AI driven um, uh, tech, technology and such. Well, uh, it, it's it's just a chance for um, for manufacturing executives to get into a room, or in this case, a virtual room, and listen to experts uh, talk about issues that are, and and solutions to some of the problems they're, they're struggling with, um, you know, some some true experts, people they have, who have great respect credibility, and it's, what is it, a couple of hours at the time, and it, as long as somebody walks away with a few nuggets that they're going to take back to their corporate offices that they can take back to the shop for wherever um that's what we expect and that's all of our conferences are like that we just want people to basically you know our, we're, we're trying to help executives make smart decisions smarter decisions business decisions so
1: well steven I'm, I'm excited for it i i know that uh if it's anything like last year with just a, a incredible uh caliber of, of folks uh sharing their knowledge with uh with a, an incredibly engaged audience so it's a it's one of those um you know i think the size and scale of the conference and i think that's going to communicate digitally quite nicely um it's just it fits nicely and i think it uh it, it's uh, it's exciting to be a part of it thank you for uh for having the cooler ring as a as a media sponsor and um
2: uh, we
1: look forward to it. Good. And hope,
2: hopefully I'll see you guys in Cleveland, uh, in the spring <laughs> in person.
1: Yeah, I think that would be great. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed that April, uh, conferences are a go. And, uh, um, uh, I'll admit, uh, I, I've been to what feels like sometimes every American city. But I have never
2: been to Cleveland. Well, the pizza there is great.
1: <laughs> that's how <laughs> we'll judge it for sure. I have uh, an uncle who is a contrarian uh, Cleveland fan for every sports team. So, uh, so that's my introduction to Cleveland. There you go,
0: Stephen. Where can uh, people find out more about the conference?
2: Well, they can uh, if they want to type in uh, manufacturedsummit dot com. So it's manufactured with an ed. Manufactured Summit, one word, dot com. They can uh, pull up uh, the agenda, take a look at it.
1: And of course, we'll be sure to link to it as well.
2: Absolutely. Fantastic. Thanks. Gentlemen, always, always good to talk to you.
1: A pleasure. Take care now.
0: Thanks for listening to The Cooler Ring with Carmen Perry and Jeff White. Don't miss a single manufacturing marketing insight. Subscribe now at coolapartners.com slash Ring. That's k u l a slash the cooler ring.